Hello and welcome to another episode of Conversations with SYLE. You might have been wondering where we've been all this time. and We had planned to release this podcast last month to coincide with Black History Month, but due to the ongoing technical difficulties caused by the coronavirus, it has been somewhat delayed. However, today's topic is just as important now as it has always been. Today we're talking about racial awareness in the legal profession. I'm joined by three fantastic guests who each bring different backgrounds and experiences to the table. Each of them have a CV far longer than mine, so I couldn't possibly do their introductions justice. So I will begin by asking them to introduce themselves. Hi, my name's Hakim Hanan. I am a solicitor at Brown Jacobson in Nottingham. Um, I'm also on the Nottinghamshire Diversity and Inclusion Committee. Um, so that's part of the Nottingham um, Law Society. They have a diversity and inclusion subcommittee w- within that um, law society organisation. I'm also on my firm's um, DNI committee, and I'm also part of the Law Society's Ethnic Minority Lawyers Division. Hi, my name's Aspen Tarek. I'm an advocate at the Scottish Bar. I'm a member of the Ampersand Advocates. I specialise in commercial litigation and public law. I'm a standing junior counsel to the UK government. My interest in this area comes from being one of the founders of the Scottish Ethnic Minority Lawyers Association, SEMLA, which was set up three years ago uh, in collaboration with Imran and others. Hi, my name's uh, Imran Bashir, and I'm a Principal Procurator Fiscal Director in the Crown Office and Procurator Fiscal Service. Uh, I've been uh, with the Crown Office and Procurator Fiscal Service since I uh, started as a trainee many years ago. Um, and uh, work through various parts of it. Uh, I work in a specialist unit at the moment. But then, uh, like Usman touched on, uh, I'm also a founding member of the Scottish Ethnic Minority Lawyers Association, SEMLA, uh, which was set up three years ago, and have a particular interest in this area of, of work um, in terms of equalities and particular race. So if I can start by asking each of you just to tell us a little bit about how you uh, came to law as a career, whether it was something that you always saw yourself doing um, and really what inspires you to follow this career path. Yeah, um, I, I can't... It's, often people can, uh, go back to a moment in their childhood that stood out, something that happened. I can't think of any defining moment, but it was uh, something I was always interested in from quite a young age. Um, I was always interested in um, kind of social affairs and history and things like that, and had a kind of broad interest in lots of different things. Um, uh, wasn't that interested in science, so the natural kind of inclination was to go towards the social sciences and uh, things like that. So I ended up uh, as I kind of grew in my early teens and, and mid teens, uh, more and more inclined towards an interest in law. And uh, that, that's where I ended up on my journey into the legal profession, uh, firstly studying law and then into the profession. What about yourself, this man? Um, I, I, had, uh, I enjoyed subjects such as English history, modern studies at school. I wasn't a particular fan of maths and the sciences. Um, and law seemed much more of a natural career to me um, when I received my results than perhaps going down the path of um, following one of the sciences. Um, I also enjoyed public speaking, debating um, in school, so it seemed like a natural choice, but not. I didn't have any lawyers in the family, so it was a, a bit of a stab in the dark, but um, I've, I can't say that I have any regrets choosing law as a subject to study. 
And what about yourself, Hakim? Um, yeah, I, I came to law, I think. I mean, I studied at university, but it was quite a late decision. I, I wasn't sure which area I wanted to go into. Um, and, I, and I wasn't sure, and I thought, I'll, I'll give it a go. I'll give it a go. I, worst, worst case scenario, three years at university, I come up with a law degree. I don't have to be a lawyer if I don't want to. And then I think when I finish that, and obviously you, you do learn a lot, not just about um, law, law at your time at university, but also um, about the profession and, and, and where, where the next stages are. I still wasn't sure, so I, I, I took some time off. Um, my friends did the LPC, and then most of them, I think, within a couple of years, got training contracts, and I thought, okay, well, next stage is let's qualify. I don't have to do this for the rest of my life. Let's just qualify, see where I get to. And then, um, I, yeah, you enjoy, I enjoy the work. I, I think one of the things you enjoy is is the people, is the people you meet, and it's the people that, that are, are, are in the profession. Um, and you you see them, you speak to them, you spend obviously all your professional life life with these people. And I think I think that is is more or as enjoyable um, as as the work. And I think I've I've missed that during this period as well. And Usman, you said about uh, not having lawyers in the family and it being a bit of a stab in the dark. I, I don't know if that's the same for um, Hekim and Imran. Did you have any particular legal role models or? Again, was it just something that you thought would well, out of school for it? Well, speaking from from my uh, position, uh, no, I don't have. Uh, I didn't have any lawyers um, before being in that I knew or could relate to. Certainly, none of um, as a minority background, um, and definitely none in my family. So, uh, yeah, like just man, mine was if that's the word, a stab in the dark. It was something, certainly venturing into something pretty much unknown um th- there wasn't any um any pioneers that i could identify with or or, or anyone i could lean on and without going on i think that sort of touched upon one of the reasons when we founded semla is to sort of create that for pe- people who don't have that just just as some kind of um uh assistance some kind of help just to guide people and give them that inspiration and guidance because it is quite daunting to go into something where you're effectively the first not just from your family but to you it feels like you're the first of almost your kind or one of the first so yeah it, no, it was uh, it was similar to Swan for me it was uh, pretty much unknown and different yeah no 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 lawyers I didn't know really any lawyers until and even after university I think I managed to get some work experience um, in the first summer of university um and that's only because of some one of my dad's friends knew someone who used to um one of my dad's friends owned, owned an Indian restaurant so um it was uh, my dad would spend a, quite, quite a lot of time there so it was just one of the guys who was basically a regular had an office um down the road um and he'd been going there for like 10 15 years and knew my dad quite well and said oh actually yeah you just just ask him to come along on on this date and and, and he can come and do some work experience um and, and that that was the first time i'd really actually spoken to a lawyer properly and how important do you guys think it is for there to be role models from different ethnic minorities and different ethnic backgrounds i think it's incredibly important to have visible role models from across society in the legal profession um, the reason for that is that it helps, uh, it, for, it forms a, a, a type of inspiration for a young person that's coming through to see if that person can can make it in the profession, I can too. 
And, and that's one of the issues that we have within the legal profession is that it's not uh, representative of society as a whole. Therefore, there are law students who look into the profession and they don't see people that look like them, that, that sound like them, that have a similar background. And that's one of the big challenges for all of us in terms of our equality and diversity work. What about you, Imran? Anything to add to that? No, again, as Man pretty much said it, I think that was something that when we founded Sebla was one of the key things at the forefront, one of the things at the forefront of our minds that it was important speaking, having experienced it ourselves. Um, when I started university, I, I studied at the University of Strathclyde. Um, I, I think the whole the law school, um, I'm hazarding a guess, but there must have been less than 10 uh, people of ethnic minority. And I could see, I mean, I, I didn't have the stats, so I didn't go and check, but, you know, just visibly. Uh, and th that's that was right from first year to diploma. Um, and that's quite daunting, I think, as much as, you know, now, certainly I'm a bit older, I think, than the others, but uh, when you're older, it bothers you less and you're more confident. But when you're young and you're starting off, it's quite daunting, even at university, let alone when you go into the workplace. Um, so I think to have role models, have people you can identify with. Of course, what you need is you need an aptitude, you need hard work, uh, and you need commitment. But that having a sense of um, someone you can identify with, role models, I think does also assist and go a long way in terms of confidence for people and encouraging people, thinking this is something I can do. Because ultimately, I, I, in my view, Intelligence is important, but that's not the critical factor. It's about your commitment, your hard work, but then the confidence, right? I can do this. And that last part, certainly having the role models, the inspirations that you can look at, goes a long way, I think, to that. And Hekim, do you think in England you're maybe a bit further ahead of the trend than we perhaps are in Scotland? How do you think things maybe compare? I mean, I don't know that much about Scotland, but I think um obviously well what has been said i i agree everything i agree with we, we, we do need those and i think we need them on on two bases we need them on a, on a micro or sort of on, uh, on an individual and on, on a on, on a macro basis we need to because if, if you look now and you look at the lawyers that are on tv and you look at the lawyers that are on tv 10 15 years ago you look at how many of those are from uk ethnic minority backgrounds i think it, it, it's fairly similar maybe every now and again if, if something happens in terms of race so for instance Imran Khan who was um Stephen Lawrence's lawyer he was from an ethnic minority background so there's specific instances where, where you do see them but if you've got a general lawyer talking about law on tv say for instance there's an employment lawyer talking about the, the the most recent furlough scheme very rarely do you see that person from an ethnic minority background so we don't have the, the visibility and that's not just tv but um in in the press um in on on radio um if you if you see a lawyer or you hear a lawyer generally um, that well, you don't see the ones from the ethnic minority backgrounds. Even though there is now more, more lawyers um, from ethnic minority backgrounds, we don't we don't really see them. So I think it's 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 important in in that regard. But also, um, like, like the guys have said, when you're a student, you you have you want to make sure that actually why why isn't there these lawyers there? So for instance, if if you yeah, my, my GP was um, from an ethnic minority background, and yeah, if, if I wanted to be a doctor, if I, if I was smart enough, I'm sure I could have 
chatted to him and spoke to him and, and asked him about it. We think, well, well, why is he smart enough to be a doctor? But why don't I see people who look like me? Why aren't they not smart enough to be lawyers? What What is it about law? Given that I generally think doctors are, are, are smarter than lawyers. Well, well why, why can't we get into this professional? Or where are they all? And then you have that thing with imposter syndrome. So, for instance, I remember when, when I did my work experience, it's like, do, can I be myself or do I have to be in a certain way? So they don't think... Um, that this profession isn't for me. How do I have to be if I want to be a lawyer? So people not almost accept you, but so just just saying you don't do anything silly or you don't look stupid or you don't say the wrong thing. Um, and again, that that then gets magnified when when you when you're interviewing. I think I don't. I think everyone who's ever interviewed me has been has been white. Um, and obviously, going into an interview now is very different from when I was going to interview for paralegal and and, and trainee solicitor jobs. Um, but you, you know, you walk through the offices, you, you see all the faces, and you think, well, actually, there's no one here who looks like me. Um, so I think it's important to to have that level of visibility. Um, and I think the groups that we have now, um, it means that if people go on the internet and look uh, um, and, and are looking for for lawyers who are Asian lawyers, who are black lawyers, they can see them, they can find them, they can go on chambers' websites, they can go on firms' websites. And yes, we're, you know, we're, we're not where we sh- we should be, but. Well, we, we, we are more visible now in, in that regard than, than we have been. Um, and I think that is that's more than encouraging for, for people enter the, entering the profession. They can see people who look like them five years, 10 years, 15 years ahead of them. You, you raise a good point there, um, Hickam, about fitting in in the workplace and whether law is an accessible profession for people from different backgrounds. Um, I wonder, uh, Imran, if I can ask you what what you think the particular hurdles might be to people from um, ethnic minorities when they come into a sort of legal workplace. I think a lot of that's been touched upon what we've said already and what Hakim and uh, Usman have said. Uh, I, I think a lot of it is just um, the thing that will deter people is always feeling of going into an unknown environment will they fit in will you will you fit in will you be accepted for what you are um that uh, uh, term that um hacking used uh, about imposter syndrome you know can you be yourself can you be yourself um, or, or do you have to almost uh, play a different role I, i've heard people say that sometimes you know in the profession and maybe other spheres of work as well it's almost like you almost have to leave your part of your identity at home that's separate because that's at home that's a different sphere and then at work you have to be a different person and i think a lot of people from ethnic minority backgrounds have felt that certainly in the past certainly as you start off and certainly in my experience i found that as you get older you get more comfortable in your own self then there's less of that but i can imagine that's much more of a challenge when you're young and you haven't experienced that working environment. Being at university, I was speaking to some uh, on a different forum recently, I said being at university school and other environments, it's still different because it's limited. But at work, I find as well that sometimes, <laughs> although the, the, the these recent times are a bit of a, uh, uh, unusual, but normally when you're working in an office environment, you're almost spending more time with your colleagues in the office than you are with your own family. So... You get to know each other a lot, and I think as you do it longer, you get more comfortable, but certainly that initial fear is about, will I be accepted for what I am? Will I fit in? You know, Will I get on with people? Will I feel comfortable? I think those are 
important things that go over uh, go through people's minds. Um, yeah, and indeed, I think a lot of firms are trying to think about what they can do. It's now a very hot topic, probably more so than it's ever been before, um, for racial inclusion and diversity within the workplace. Um, obviously, Usman, you're at the bar. It's slightly different. Um, it's a group of self-employed individuals, uh, and you're all, you know, um, working for different stables uh, and the like. What steps have been taken at faculty to try and help with the issues of um, inclusion and diversity within um, sort of advocates at the bar? The faculty has um, has recently introduced a wider scholarship scheme, which is uh, designed to in, um, encourage those from underrepresented groups at the bar to come to the bar. Uh, the scholarship scheme is effectively for the Devling period, which is uh, pupillage in England. Um, and, and one of the criteria of the scholarship is that it's designed to encourage more women, more ethnic minorities, uh, more people from um, LGBT backgrounds um, in, um, to join the bar. Um, the, the, the faculty also has uh, a relatively vibrant uh, Equality and Diversity Committee, which I'm a part of, um, which has introduced things such as the fair instruction policy. Um, there's much more awareness in terms of the distribution of work. Um, there is a greater scope for mentorship. Um, and just a, a closer connection between members and faculties, office bearers, so that if there are any issues, those can be raised. Um, so there is quite a lot of work going on within faculty in the background. But I think this feeds into just generally um, that there needs to be more work across the profession as a whole in Scotland. Um, I don't think that the Scottish legal profession is representative of society. Um, the Law Society of Scotland um, carried out a profile of the profession report in 2018, which showed 4% uh, of solicitor respondents were from an ethnic minority background, 4%. Um, if one looks at the, uh, the makeup of um, the law students at Scottish universities, I understand that they are about 13% of all law students are from an ethnic minority background. And immediately you start to see a disconnect where there's over-representation at universities, but under-representation in the profession. And then you must ask, well, why is that so? And clearly that means that there's a bottleneck at the entry level, which is traineeships, that ethnic minorities are finding it disproportionately hard to find traineeships. And that can be for a number of reasons, not knowing the right person to open the door for you, um, not getting work experience, um, not have it, going to an interview and not being prepared to be in that environment because you don't know any lawyers. All these factors play in, um, which means that at least my view is that um, ethnic minorities are being disproportionately um, disadvantaged, in fact, in, when it comes to traineeships. But then you make it into the profession and um, at least there's data that shows that ethnic minorities don't. Um, go to senior positions at the same rates as white counterparts. Um, there was quite there was some shocking um, statistics that came out uh, quite recently. There was a there was a research that was carried out by uh, Margaret Taylor or uh, for the ferrets in August, and that showed that of the five largest law firms in Scotland, uh, there were only five non-white partners. 
And these firms, the largest of those firms has over 100 partners. And um, three of those five partners were at one firm, which means that some of these firms have no ethnic minority partners. And that's pretty shocking. Um, but that, that's where I think when, when you asked earlier on about visible role models, if you're a student and you're going onto the website of these firms, the five of the largest firms in Scotland, you're looking at partner profiles and you won't see people that look like you. And that then discourages uh, ethnic minority students from applying to these firms. And do you think the fact that there are um, less people from ethnic minorities in those senior positions means that it's harder for firms to identify ways to change to become more inclusive? Yeah, I think uh, inevitably um, that's going to be the case because now that, you, you know, for example, even, even in this panel, if, if you've got people hacking this man, myself, we've been through it. So, we'll, you know, when you've been through something and you've experienced something, then it will mean more to you. And that's not a criticism of anyone or any individual. That That's just a fact of life that if you've, if you've kind of tread that path, then it'll mean more to you and you'll see the obstacles, you'll see the challenges and hopefully you'll remember them because then when you're looking back and you're looking at those who are coming in, you'll see that they're, they're encountering the same thing and you'll try and facilitate these and you'll be able to identify what the issues are. Now, I think we found certainly, and I think it's one I'll agree that when we set up Sembler, we've had a lot of goodwill from the Law Society faculty, from firms and my organisation, COPFS, and a multitude of organisations. In fact, it's been pretty much, you know, everyone's been positive and there's been a lot of goodwill, but the issue is a bit identifying how you go about it and what to do. And I think by having people who have been through it and understand the challenges directly, then there's nothing that can really replace or, or, or compensate for that. So... By the very nature of it, when you've got people on board, and Usman's done some great talks in some of our events about some things about, you know, if you've got board members, you know, if you've got a board member, not every single board member, but an ethnic minority board member that reflects minorities, that reflects other equalities, then that's going to have an impact, not just on who's recruited, but the type of people or the number of people who are going to apply for, for a start. Because you'll see that diversity and you'll see, okay, yeah, there's a bit more to this. That example, the example Swan gave about the, the top five law firms in Scotland, I mean, that's pretty damning as much as we don't want to be critical of anyone or any organisation as a, as a collective. And it's not ultimately the legal profession, in my mind, is there to represent society. It's, it, we, we basically represent the society and if it doesn't reflect society, how can it properly and adequately then represent that society in the way that we all need and want? Exactly. And I think perhaps people, you know, who have been through the difficulties um, that come with entering a profession as a minority ethnic um, lawyer give a different perspective. Um, and I know, Hekim, you had mentioned about not necessarily knowing whether you fit in or the recruitment processes and things. Um, I mean... I think we've got to be aware that some of the things that we do as a legal profession um, and have done for a long time might put off people from certain um, backgrounds, races, religions. There's a, a fairly heavy drinking culture um, within 
the legal profession and um, there are activities that perhaps exclude um, more women or exclude people from different um, ethnic minorities, people with disabilities. Um, how do you think that firms can be more aware of what they're doing during the recruitment process and, and the socialising within firms to take into account of people from different backgrounds, Hakeem? Um, so I think I think it's the case that you just got to just be aware of, of of what people are happy to do, what people won't do, because people won't speak out. If there's a big drinks event, I mean, I, I, I don't drink, if there's a big drinks event, um, I'll attend, but I'm not going to attend, I'll show my face, I'll do what I have to do, and then, then I'll, I'll, I'll leave quite early. Um, but people, I think what happens is that people will have to, or management will have to think, okay, well, what is being inclusive and what isn't being inclusive? Um, and because I think one of the difficulties as well is that if you're not doing or you're taking part in things like that, um, that that's where you, you effectively, you know, you, you bond a lot with not only your, your peers, but also your bosses. Um, they get to know you more on a personal level than than just on a, on a professional level. Um, and it, it, it's little things like that sometimes where you think, OK, well, if, if I miss out on those things, I mean, they do either consciously or, or, or or unconsciously play a part then if, if if you're getting sponsored or you're going to put put a promotion or, or opportunities and little things like that but i think it's people i think one of the firms i work for they had they, they'd put events on and they'd, they'd see who who turns up but they did i think they, what they do to put say three or four events on but you could only choose two of the events to go to um and they're all obviously very very good events and if you could go to all four you go to all four but there'd be a very different type of person who would go to for instance if it was a weekend away you'd get people who were who were younger who didn't have the same family ties but the people who had families would, would quite happily go to a, a day trip in in, in york for, for christmas um shopping or something else like that so i think um you you have to you ha have to include everyone and you have to do some things that appeal to people you're never going to find one event that does suit everyone but then at the same time you have to make sure that um the events you put on don't exclude anyone um and they are being fair uh, but also, as well, you, you, you can't have events that, say, are, are very attractive to, say, say partners, but not very attractive to, to people who, say, for instance, if, if the firm decided to put on a, a ski trip, but everyone had to pay a £1,000 towards it, there's only going to be a certain amount of people who that, who that is a, attractive to. Um, so I think it, it's, it's just being aware of, 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 of people. And you're not, you're not going to be able to put events on to please everyone, but at the same time, I think everyone has to feel they're part of something and they're getting something fair. Um, because if, if you pay for an event where it's a free bar and it costs the firm thousands and everyone's you know, having the equivalent of, say, a couple of hundred pounds food and drink, if you're not at that event, you're going to feel left out. And if, if you get then go to another event which isn't doesn't have necessarily just the same level of, of prestige as that event, you're going to think, well, it's almost like we're an afterthought. And I think it's all about feeling part of the firm and being inclusive within that firm and, and feel, feeling that you, you belong in that firm. And I think that, that, that's, that that's important. Before we wrap things up, I wonder if in about 30 seconds or so, each of you could give a tip to our listeners, bearing in mind that most of them are young lawyers um, starting out on their careers, what they can do to ensure that they are having a positive impact on diversity and being inclusive as they go through their careers. My advice to um, a law student or a junior lawyer would be apply, apply, apply. Um, put yourself forward for things. Uh, apply for traineeships. Don't be put off by if you go onto a law, law firm's website and there aren't people that look like you. 
there is gen I believe that there's genuine good faith amongst law firms to try and address some of the diverse equality and diversity issues. But to be in the game, you need to apply. There's no point sitting outside and criticizing the profession for not being diverse enough. So it means um, putting yourself out there, applying for as many traineeships as you can for work experience. And that's how you can play a part in driving change. Yeah, yeah uh, just again, um, I think the most important thing is just, um, you know, have confidence in yourself. Work hard is obviously a given, but, you know, be committed to it. Don't, don't give up too easily. Uh, apply, apply, apply. Yes, it's not many people that the first time you apply and the first thing that you go for, you, you're going to succeed. So don't let that don't don't let that define and happen for you. You know, there's lots of opportunities. There's the the, the, the legal profession is wide and it's very varied, as a lot of us have found out. There's lots of different avenues to go through. The other thing is, even before all of that, what I would suggest to law students in particular is get involved, do things. Don't don't just think that you know you're going to you know come out with your two one or your first pass even, and that's going to be necessarily enough. You know what employers want to see is. You know, experience—not experience as in work, but experience and effort and commitment that you've you've applied, you went out of your way to try things, join societies, join organisations, do some voluntary work, do work experience. Uh, because the more you can put on your CV or your applications, the more you can see how it shows that you're rounded. Because anyone coming out with a law degree will have a good level of commitment, hard work, and intelligence. But what you want to show is that a bit more than that, even more than that, to, to separate you from others and show that you're committed, you're rounded. Um, so that's my advice, just to, uh, and, and as, as Man said, just to apply and have the confidence to apply in as many different areas as you're interested in. Um, echo what everyone else has said. I think in order to, to drive change, you've got to put yourself in a position where people will listen to you. Um, so you've got to do the best that you can in your career, get as far as you can, work hard, apply, do all the things outside. There's always something more you could be doing, whether it means um, maybe not now sitting a, a day in court or other transferable skills. You know, you can work for charities. Even if you go and run a marathon, um, I'm, I'm a runner. If, if you sit in an interview and you tell someone you've run a marathon, um, people, the, the, what it takes in terms of your training or dedication and then doing it on the day. They're transferable skills. If you can, if you can train for three hours, six hours, um, you can you can sit at a desk for, for eight hours. It's 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 not. You just just it's making the most of everything you've got. Um, it's not going to be easy. It, it it isn't easy for anyone to just matter who, who your connections are. It's not going to be easy. Um, but you've just got to keep moving. Don't give up and, and keep getting there. You will get there. Perfect. Well, before I get cut off, I'd like to say thank you to all three of you again, um, for your time on this occasion, and uh, we we'll hope to speak with you soon. Thank you.